You're listening to Cleveland First Baptist Church's weekly sermon audio from lead pastor Rick Dill. For more information, please visit clevelandfirstbaptistchurch.com. Before I begin today, I want to just um, share a thank you to all of you who have been in prayer for Becky Clemens. Uh, Becky is not doing well. And she will begin radiation and chemotherapy this week and um, just be in prayer for her. She can't be visited right now. Uh, You can call. Sometimes she can talk and sometimes she's not able to do that. So, but Tina or Tony are there all the time and so they can, um, you know, she can communicate through them if you'd like to call But what she really loves is receiving cards. And so it would be a wonderful thing if we showered her this week with cards and the weeks to come because this is going to be a long process. So let's remember Becky especially. Um, And um, I want to just speak a disclaimer for the sermon today. Uh, I just spent 10 days with my grandchildren and uh, it was a wonderful time. But I was spent at the end. <laughs> so I'm a little uncertain about my own uh, stability this morning, but maybe it'll be all right. Um, we just sang um, the words, you didn't want heaven without us, so you brought heaven down, right? So let that sink in just a minute. In other words, the kingdom of God place where God reigns came down to earth through Jesus to be with us. Um, That's really the whole theme of the Sermon on the Mount that we've been talking about for these past several weeks. Uh, You know, Jesus is really giving practical advice in the Sermon on the Mount about things that really matter. And he's relating them, comparing them really, to the world and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. How are they different? He talks about where we find true happiness. Well, the world is going to say one thing, but he says something totally different. He points out the real obedience to God's law. It requires a change of heart. It's not about legalistic actions, which is what the world would tell us. He talks about relationships and the importance of remaining faithful in the promises that we make, especially in marriage. He wants us to examine our relationships with those that we feel are against us and tells us us how to deal with that in a a practical uh, level, doing good for them instead of wishing them evil. He ends by saying, love your enemies. Uh, That's a pretty radical statement. Then Jesus turns the spotlight on our good deeds. We talked about that. But not just the deed itself, rather the motivation of our hearts behind that deed. Because if we live in the kingdom of heaven, what Jesus brought down to us, then there will be a different motivation. And last week we said he talked, we discussed prayer and what what prayer is in the world. it's, It's idle repetition. It's not real. But for us, it's conversation with a father who loves us. Now, Jesus begins to meddle. He gets really serious because now he talks about money. 
And um, so we can't get around it. We're going to look at this passage today. And it's a long passage. If you'd turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6, verse 19 through 34, I've asked Wesley to read it with me, just maybe to heighten your attention and uh, keep your mind on what, what is said. I find it sometimes difficult to, to concentrate when it's just one voice all the way through. So you follow along in your Bibles. We'll start with verse 19. Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal them. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust can't destroy and where thieves are not going to break in to steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eyes like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You, you can't serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Wesley. So, from this passage, Jesus encourages us to remember four things. I would say four truths that I really want you to take home with you today. These are four things that we need to remember in respect to financial resources, and all resources, really. First of all, we need to remember that life, this life, here on earth, our earthly life affects our eternal life. It uh, plays a major role in our eternal life. Now, Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where that can't happen. So let's talk about these two things. One, the treasures on earth and treasures on heaven. First of all, what about treasures on earth? Well, early on, uh, I was taught 
to save, okay, to put some of the money I had back. I didn't learn that from my parents, uh, but rather I learned it from my grandfather. We worked in my dad's shop early on, and as I recall, I'm not certain that I'm totally sure about this, but I know that we were paid for what we did, really probably starting at 9 or 10, and that was in place of the allowance that, you know, so often kids get, and I think that was a good thing. But it was my grandfather who encouraged me to put something away, to save for the future. He actually opened a bank account for us at a very young age and encouraged us to put part of what we uh, got into that account to save it. That was a good thing. He was concerned about providing for wisely for himself and his family, and he wanted us to learn to do the same thing. The scripture also teaches us to be wise in providing for our needs and the needs of those who, that we are responsible for. But there is a difference between our needs and the treasure that Jesus is talking about in this passage. Jesus cautions us to look at the heart relationship that we have with material things. And he warns us of the danger of investing our lives in earthly treasures to the detriment of our heavenly bank account, all right? So there is the problem, of course, that treasures stored here on earth are fragile. They, uh, they depreciate rapidly. They can be lost. They can be stolen. A thief can come in or they can be taken by a big corporation. We've seen in the last six months how volatile things can really be, and we've seen how treasures that have been stored up over years and years can be lost overnight. Am I right about that? It's true, is it not? Jesus says you need to be smart about this. You need to pay attention. Don't invest your life in something that you can't take with you. Earthly treasure... <coughs> It's just that. It's earthly. You may keep it for retirement, but you will not keep it in death. So don't fall for the temptation to spend your life amassing great wealth because it is truly the most pointless thing you can do. Jesus taught this often, of course, but never more pointedly than in a parable about a farmer who decided to build bigger and better barns to store his abundant crop. And Jesus said what he doesn't know is that he's going to be leaving this world tonight. And all of those barns, it's just for nothing. He should have used that abundance that God had given him on something other than just wealth on this earth. He should have stored it away for his future in heaven. So, Let's talk about treasures on heaven. What in the world, world is that, or in heaven? Uh, you know, there's some amazing things that we need to learn in this passage, and there are things that we don't really talk about much as Christians. As a child of God, you have a heavenly bank account where you have been depositing your earthly, your treasure for eternity, or not, one or the other. I find this to be absolutely amazing and perhaps the most overlooked teaching about heaven 
that we really uh, could have. Jesus calls us to be preparing for eternal life, to save up a treasure that we in some way are going to enjoy in eternity after this life is taken from us. So two things about that that we need to remember. You know, we tend to think of eternity as being some sort of heavenly socialism. To use a term I don't really like to use, but, you know, in the term, the way it's thought of today is sort of that idea that everybody has to be equal, you know. Well, we kind of think of that in heaven. We think of it that way, where everybody and everything is, is the same. But that is not the picture that the Scripture paints. The Scripture talks about those who will be first and those who will be last. Jesus tells us here that some will have more and some will have less treasure in heaven. Paul says that there are going to be some who just get in by the skin of their teeth. I just, I hate that verse, but it's there. Jesus said that every good deed will be rewarded. What does that mean? No deeds, no reward. Lots of deeds, lots of reward. Although every knee will bow before Jesus as Lord, he will record, reward us according to how we've invested our lives for eternity, as opposed to investing them in the things of this world. So that means that every penny entrusted to us goes into one of two bank accounts, either the earthly or the heavenly. Every penny we spend on serving God or his church, every penny we spend doing good for others, it will all add up and we will see it again. Every penny we spend on our personal pleasure or for the purpose of building our earthly portfolio as we talk about so often today, it is just that. It is earthly. And it will be lost for eternity. Now, I know that that is an irritating thing to hear. But I didn't say it. So if you get mad, don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. Because he's the one who teaches that. My grandfather would say, be wise about how you use your money. And that is what Jesus says too. Be wise so that you will have treasure beyond this life. And all important in the whole discussion is one thing, and that is your heart. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So what does that mean? Well, whatever you treasure, that's what your heart is going to hang on. And that is what your heart will desire. So this is the deal. If you want to know how you're doing with money, storing it up for the world or for eternity, which is it, you just really need to look at the things that you desire, uh, the things that control where your money goes. Maybe the best thing to do would be to look at your visa bill. Where your money is going, Jesus said, is where your heart's desire really is. 
Once again, Jesus points to that all-important question. Where is your heart? What is it you desire above all else? Okay. The second portion of this scripture um, teaches us that we all need glasses. Every one of us needs glasses. Jesus says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. Now, I have known a, a number of people who had cataract surgery. Marlon Tidwell had cataract surgery this week and did great. And really within hours, you know, you're seeing much better. My mother-in-law at 80-something had cataract surgery, and the next day she was reading the paper without her glasses, something I could never do uh, then or now. Um, really incredible. Well, Jesus makes this comparison on an earthly basis, um, on a spiritual basis, I mean. He says two things. He says, you know, he talks about an unhealthy and a healthy eye. So the unhealthy is the word poneros in Greek, which means influenced for evil from without, that is, from the outside in. And in this context where he's talking about financial things, it really uh, it means greed. So he says that, that is something that blinds us. All right? And when he says healthy, heplos, which means clear or unclouded, and in the context of money it would mean without deceit. So what is Jesus telling us here? He's saying that, that wealth and the desire for wealth can blur our vision so that we end up living our whole lives for something that won't last. Greed is a powerful force in our world. Now, I don't think any of us would, would uh, fight against that. What is greed? It is the intense, self-centered desire for something, especially wealth and power. And greed is a powerful force in our world. It is easy to see how, how greed is blinding. That desire to have more wealth, more power, is something that dominates our hearts so that God eventually has no place left. Jesus said it like this, you just can't serve two masters. For you're going to hate one and love the other You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You just can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Probably every one of us, immediately, when you read this passage, you have somebody in mind. <laughs> somebody probably on TV or some politician or whatever. You go, yeah, that really describes him. But I want to tell you, I think that we are all vulnerable at this point. Greed is a part of our fallen human nature. God would have us love people and use things. But greed and what we find in the world, it says use people and love money. How do you guard against that terrible danger? I think there are three things we ought to remember. One is we need to pray for protection from temptation. 
It is my personal opinion. We just talked last week about prayer and what, what do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from temptation. Immediately after that, Jesus talks about money. Now what do you think? Is it a temptation or is it not? It is definitely a temptation to live your life for this world. We need to pray that God would deliver us from that very powerful temptation. And secondly, we need to make sure that we are faithful to give back to God what is already His. The tithe is the first step in conquering greed. Now, I don't want to get into a tithing sermon, and Jesus really is not talking here about tithing, although it is certainly biblically bound to this theme. Um, you ever ask yourself, why would God require us to give the tithe? I mean, does God really need your money? I mean, is God going to go without a meal? Or is He going to miss something if you just keep it all for yourself? No, He's not. He requires that of you because it is unhealthy for you to keep it all for yourself. And in asking you to give what really belongs to him back to him, he is teaching you the same thing that my grandfather was teaching me when he said you need to save something. You need to not spend it all on yourself the day you get it. What will break the chains of greed? It is learning to let go of what we have. And one of the ways we do that is to give back to God what is His to start with. And then thirdly, we need to practice giving to others around us. Uh, two weeks ago, I asked you to find a way to do good to someone without them knowing it. Did you do that? Did you find somebody that you could bless anonymously? Uh, I think that probably a number of people did. I've actually heard from two people who described what I think was the result of that request. If you did not do that, then do that this week. Because God blesses that. And, and it breaks the chain of greed that entangles us. This life affects the next. We need glasses, we need a clear vision, and then thirdly, Jesus says, don't let anxiety consume your life. If there ever was a word for our time, it is this passage. Jesus instructs his followers not to worry, not to be filled with fear. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So Jesus doesn't want us to be consumed by concern over the material things of life. And, and he tells us why. First of all, God in heaven, our Father, values us way above everything else. We are important to him. We can see that God cares for us, Jesus says, when we just look around and see the way he has blessed the birds of the air or clothed the flowers. 
Secondly, we don't need to fear something that we can't control. Yeah. Can all your worries add a single moment of life, Jesus asks. Now, we live in a world that is kind of obsessed with worry right now and with right. I'm not saying it in any way that we shouldn't be concerned about the infection that is sweeping our world. Um, I, I know I talked with a guy in Aniana the other day, and we were talking, of course, about COVID, what else? And um, he said, well, he said, I lived for about three weeks. I, I couldn't really think about anything else. I just couldn't. It was just driving me nuts. And he's, he's a committed Christian. He said, and I had to do something. I had to do something. I said, what did you do? And he said, I cut off the TV. <laughs> he said, you know, ignorance is bliss. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. But I, I understand what he's saying, you know. Uh, that worry, it is stoked. And, and we do it too, you know. We talk about it all the time. But we need to remember that our lives belong to our Father. And, you know... Uh, I may come down with it tomorrow and die the next day. I know I realize that that can happen. But I can't really change that, can I? I can, I can act wisely. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to say something about masks in a minute. You know, that is not, uh, that has nothing to do with faith. That is, that is just smart medical practice. But, you know, that, that isn't the point. The point is that your life, it belongs to your Father in heaven. And, you know, if he chooses to take me today, then he has a right to do that, and I believe that that is the best thing for me and everybody else. Um, and Jesus says, if, if you can't add a moment to your life, then what is the option? It is to trust him. And thirdly, God knows our needs. Jesus said, your heavenly Father always knows all your needs. If he knows about it, I don't need to worry about it. What he does will be right. I want to trust him. And I realize that there are so many situations. One of them, you know, we're going through right now. We do not understand. And our tendency to ask is, why? Why, God? And we don't really have an answer for that. But what God really asks us to do is to trust him not to live in that kind of fear. So, he says, this life affects the next, what we do here, we invest in eternity. Uh, he says we need to keep a clear vision of things, not be muddled. And then he says, don't be controlled by anxiety. And finally, he says, keep focused on the kingdom of God. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So two things Jesus asks us to do. He says, first of all, seek the kingdom of God. So seek is an active word. Uh, God's kingdom is the place where God rules. We've talked about that over and over, where God calls the shots, where he's in control. He's the king. So to seek the kingdom of God is to be actively desiring for God to rule in the things I do, the decisions that I make, the thoughts that I have. 
In this context about money and its control over our lives, it means to be seeking to use our material resources for God's kingdom as he would have us to use them, to make him Lord over everything, including the financial resources that we have. And he says, live righteously. So righteous, righteousness is what? It's right living. Jesus calls us to live as God would desire us to live. And that requires of us to know what God expects and to be involved in applying his expectations to our everyday lives. Then there is a PS. Uh, really, that concludes the teaching, but then Jesus has this last thing to say. It's a verse that Nancy delights in quoting to me on a regular basis because it is difficult for me. Jesus says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Of course, Jesus is not saying to live a life that foolishly ignores the truth. He isn't telling us not to wear masks, since we know that a mask can protect us and those around us. But he is saying that we shouldn't lay awake at night worrying about whether or not we will get the virus. Laura had a friend at church <laughs> who said, you know, I haven't slept in weeks because I just think about it all the time. She said, I'm, I'm ready just to get it and get it over with. I'm thinking about going out and licking a handrail, you know. I said, well, you know, <laughs> it's probably not what God wants you to do, you know. Uh, we do what we can, and then we trust our lives into his hands. He loves his children, and we don't make ourselves sick with worry because finally our lives belong to him. Not, we're not in good hands with Allstate, but we are in good hands with a loving Heavenly Father who is willing and able to care for us. And that really... It's what Jesus is talking about, also in financial things, just to be trusting him. Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you, Father, for the way you protect us. And Lord, we know that many people are suffering. We know that, that um, the illness that is plaguing our world has cost the lives of so many people. But Lord, we know too that we are in your hands and you are the one who determines over rich or poor, good or bad, life or death. And so we just want to put our hands, our lives into your hands and trust you, Lord, with all that we are and all that we have. Lord, I just thank you that you've blessed us materially, and I pray that you would help us to be faithful stewards of what you've given us. We just praise your name for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.